Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. It's great to see you, Beverly. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Jenny. How are you? I am doing great. Are you wearing a shirt you made? I am. I made it a long time ago, though. It's, well, a few months ago. It's the (laughs) Toronto Tea, a free pattern from Rebecca Page. And I think the fabric was just some cheap jersey I got from, uh, what's that place you go to also? Girl Charlie. Girl Charlie, yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's very nice quality, actually. And I, I, I enjoy this shirt a lot. It's a white and gray horizontal striped shirt. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And I like that the neck binding is just white. Yeah, it's rib, like ribbing. Yeah, nice. And you are wearing a very special dress today. I am. I'm wearing another one of my Hope Raglans by Style Arc. And this one's in a Katie Cortman fabric. So um, one of her double gauzes that don't look, feel, or behave in any way like a double gauze that I'm used to. More like um, a Japanese but- double gauze. Yeah, they're they're really nice though. I like them. It's a really pretty one and got compliments. So I'm quite satisfied with it. Really, I just live for the things that drive my ego. <laughs> well, so, also, yeah. are those new glasses or are they still your old prescription? They're still my old one because I have like a thousand pairs that I'm not going to be able to wear anymore in a week when my new ones come. No. I mean, I can still wear them, but the reason that I've got to update is because there's been, first off, I apparently now have astigmatisms in both eyes. Bad. Wow. <laughs> so I've got, I've got that fun. Um, my bifocal prescription changed and my distance prescription in one eye changed. Uh, and well, so I've got I- enough going on that it feels like I'm probably not going to be able to just go back and forth between old and new. For a while, I've been able to do that because there was only a minor change in one eye of the um, strength of the prescription, and that was it. And so it's a little different depending on which pair of glasses I wear, but it's not headache-inducing. I think the difference here, if I swap back and forth regularly, I'll find it's it's just stressful. Yeah, you... Once you're used to a new pair, if it's that different, yeah, yeah, no good. Are you going to yeah, donate the others? I, I always do. Yeah. I always wonder about that. How do they find someone with the same? I guess they just use the frames or what? I think they're probably mostly just using the frames and they may get the script off of the lens and try and recut it for other, other frames. But I don't honestly know. I just know that, that they're. Lots of people ask for the donations. I have tons of frames that are in great shape and that's just what I've always done. Yeah. Yeah. So me too. I don't so what have really you been know. sewing other than the hope? I mean, we can all use some more hope. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to definitely, definitely lead with that one. Um, but the other things that I've been working on lately have been, um, well, hope. I mean, so let's just start there by noting that I have been working on more hope dresses. And I do have another one cut out out of a one of those rayons that's the crinkly kind. Oh, yeah. And oh, it's like got crepe? tigers all over it. Like crepe kind? So, no, it's. It's like it's wrinkled vertically all the way across. Okay. 
I don't know what it's called. I I think of crepe as nubbly, not wrinkly. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're right. And so this is like wrinkly. It's like um, it's not pleated, but anyway. I think I know what you're talking about. I think I have made stuff with it. Yeah, I so I do associate that with the 80s, that particular type of fabric, the okay. 80s and in fact the end of the early 90s. So the hope dress I make out of it will probably be one I tag as PF Gen X because we're cool. still in that month right now as I'm making it. Um, I do think of it as a garbage fabric. It's it's one where it's gonna wash up and dry up terribly. Oh, um, really? I will probably it. I will probably regret not pre-washing this because this one, there's a chance it's going to shrink up enormously. Um, so I am doing the skirt, the full length that style arc requests, because my guess is that'll be fine. Then the question is how high is it going to come? Am I going to end up with a true empire or, or what for the waist? So we'll see. Um, but it's interesting and I loved the pattern on it and I got it for like a dollar 90 a yard. So I got 10 or 12 yards of it. So wow. if this one turns out to be a bust, I can just try again or try it with something close. else and, and pre-wash and, and dry on the next one. This one, I just didn't think about that all the way through in time. Um, in addition, I'm starting to look at my fall sewing. So I'm going to make a couple more uh, Nancy Raglans by five out of four pattern company, because I like the way that Raglan fit on me. And I really love, um, love a bound neckline now that I've, I've learned through the Aronica pattern, exactly how I want to do those in the future for knit bound necklines. So I'm super excited about that. And then my last thing that I'm starting to work on now is um, a t-shirt dress. I'm starting the the redrafting of the pattern from a t-shirt dress also by five out of four patterns, actually, um, in a size small for adults to fit my granddaughter, which means oh. I'm going to use some of the advice from, uh, Sam who's on Instagram as many Madel creates our guest, um, from an episode released on September, uh, 14th, um, to talk about how to petite that, that pattern because my granddaughter is a, a woman's size small, but about four inches shorter than the drafted height. So I'll use some of those, uh, those hints and, and tips and tricks there. I hope to be able to help me. Now, are you going to draw around her or are you going to just measure? She would not probably stand still for either of the things oh. you've just mentioned. Oh. And so I am going to end up measuring her, but I'm going to really limit where I measure. I think I'm going to do a shoulder to um, to armpit and then a shoulder to waist, and I'm going to call it a day. Okay. I do already have her chest, waist, and hip measurements, so I'm good there. I just need, a for a t-shirt dress, I really the one I mostly need is literally just shoulder to armpit. I okay. think I could actually avoid all others, but but I'll try and get that second measurement while I'm at it in case I decide I want to do... A, a waist length and add a gathered skirt instead of continuing down as a straight t-shirt dress. So nice. Nice. Yeah. And I, I think that'll be fun. She's asked me to tie dye a sweatshirt that she provided me and I'm going to tie dye some matching fabric to make the t-shirt dress out of it. Oh, so I'll cool. do it at the same time in the same dye bath and um, hopefully end up with something that's really cute and matching that she could, you know, she could wear as we move into the fall weather. Oh, that's great. So That's yeah, nice. um, I did make one final thing that I'm, um, we're no longer doing PF Anarchy. So what I'll say about it is it's a dress that isn't drafted for me and where the measurements 
don't meet the requirements for this podcast. Um, but I did make myself basically a cute A-line dress with a box pleat in the back that I upsized mm-hmm. um, out of an upholstery fabric that has lemurs all over it. And I used, Where'd you I get used that? I got that at Joanne's on clearance. And I <laughs> and I used a black and white bias tape instead of a facing to do the neck edge finishing. Oh, wow. So, and, it's, and it's a piped bias tape. So I've got a piped neckline wow. in the black and white that matches the black and white stripes on the lemur's tails. Wow. I got to see that. Oh, it's so flipping adorable. It'll go up on my Instagram. By the time this is posted, it'll have been up for weeks, but it'll go up sometime uh, in the next week in September. So I'm really excited about that one, but again, still super frustrated that it doesn't come in my size. To upsize it, it was relatively easy. I moved the fold on the back, which is actually supposed to be two pieces. This time I just left it folded, but I moved that edge because it's a straight edge in Mm -hmm. by four inches. So I gained right there eight inches on the dress. And then on the front, I pivoted from the neckline out by about two or three inches at the hem. So I gained a little bit on the front of the garment as well. And it's plenty roomy. It looks great. The sleeves needed no adjustments, but oh my gosh, draft things for me, people. Yeah. So yeah. (laughs) So that's my pile of stuff. And I'm sure I've missed something, but let's move on. What's your (laughs) show and tell for the week? Well, I finished, I finished this dress, which is for my mom that I told you about recently. Yeah. Um, And it looks like uh, it's the Chris Woods and it looks like you put the patch pockets on it. I did because I had made, so this is the Chris Woods parasol dress. It's made also in Katie Cortman double gauze. Mm -hmm. I had made myself, remember my Chris Wood parasol was, is in Katie Cortman double gauze. This is a fair of, yeah fabric of ours. Um, and it's the green and blue one. Anyway, my mom really loved it and it had the patch pockets. So I went ahead and put those in for her because I think that, that she'd like them. So, um, her birthday is tomorrow as we're recording this and we're getting together at my brother's house on Saturday for a barbecue and stuff. So I'll give it to her then. Oh, that's wonderful. Can I ask how you do the patch pockets? Um, so the pattern comes with them. I just followed the directions, which was, I mean, I, what are you asking me? <laughs> so PF anarchy is definitely over. No. Um, what, so when I do patch pockets without regard to what the instructions say, I always cut a lining for them um, and I line them and turn them inside out. Um, usually with a, like I, I, I put them the lining and the pocket right sides together And I sew all the way around, leaving no hole at all. And then I take a cut through the lining of the patch pocket and turn it right side out and stitch that cut open. You could also fuse it closed or anything else. That way you've got a neat edge for sure all the way around it. And you are so much more clever than me. (laughs) Um, Also, that, that, that would have been really good with this because, as you know, that fabric has a white back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, occasionally you can kind of see it. I mean, I don't think other people can see it. I think only yeah. I can because I'm looking down right from. Well, and I, I like the look of that. And in addition, um, when I ran, when I printed some fabric through Spoonflower, I, I printed some specialty fabric that had 
my dad's handwritten notes on his pizza dough recipe, whatever, in several different media. And I have some of that that I use for lining on pockets because it really is only me who knows about it. And it just, and I don't even always remember it, but when I glance at it and I don't do a lot of pockets, as you know, but, but when I do, and I glance at it, I'm always immediately transported and feel really good about it. So it's also an opportunity for secret lining which yes. I think is is fun. So I just wondered, because I never read the instructions in her pattern because I wasn't doing pockets. You know, um, it's it's the same instructions that are in almost all patch pockets, which is basically just, you know, seal the three edges with your overlocker or whatever, and then um, fold those in. And then the top, you fold down an inch and then an inch again. Right. And then, okay. So across the top, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but honestly, it never occurred to me to line them. I just, I just love the secret lining of it. Yeah. And especially if you have a fabric that means something to you. So other ways that can be used, um, are, uh, for example, and I've, I've done this for members of the LGBTQ community. If you work in an environment where you, you can't maybe, um, express pride in your identity, um, using rainbow fabric or other pride supportive fabrics as a lining to a pocket gives you that opportunity to have it. I've also done it with lining to neckties in the same way where you can have that appearance that you're required to maintain at your office, but still know you're carrying um, a a marker of your pride around with you. So I I think it's a neat thing to do. And I do it for sentimental reasons for myself. So, you know, that's like sort of the inside of a shirt yoke too, is a fun way. Absolutely. I I did that with a Helen's closet Gilbert top. I put, um, it was, it was actually a thick flannel one that I made and the inside has a uh, pirate fabric in the yeah. inside of that yoke. It's kind of cool. I, I think I just didn't have enough fabric. So I did that, but, but it's fun, right? Yeah. So every time you see that, I bet you smile. It's yeah. a, it's a fun thing to do. So yep. I just wondered, I wasn't sure whether it was a pattern that I guess it's low waist pattern. So maybe it would be less likely that they would call for that second piece unless the way you're cutting it out would naturally leave you with the lining piece. And well, the interesting thing is for me, I probably could have done that because it's not an, a zero waste pattern for right. me. Um, but, uh, that's, I will definitely try that with, with other patterns in the future. Cause yeah, that sounds fun. I think it's a neat idea. So yeah, absolutely. Super fun. So um, what else have you made or done? Well, we just talked a couple days ago. So, um, well, what's coming up? Well, what's coming up for me is my John Bender inspired Raya dress. So I was debating between these two flannel fabrics. I had, they're both heavyweight. One of them is a, um, I think they might be both Kaufman, um, ones because they're very narrow. Um, they're, they're really narrow, but it, and they've been pre-washed. So flannel shrinks a lot. So, um, these have been free pre-washed twice actually, because they really, they've shrink. I found that heavy flannel will shrink after for two times. So are you recommending before I start my flannel dress for PF gen X that I definitely pre-wash it? Definitely pre-wash it. Okay, cool. It's sitting over there in the bag, ready for me to cut out. I'll go ahead and toss it in the washer tonight. I think it's worth it because it, it just shrinks so much, you know, does that count for PF anarchy last month? Since I never pre-washed. 
<laughs> right. Well, so I was all excited because I had these two that I really liked. One's sort of a mammoth check and one of them's more of a traditional plaid, like a tartan. And I was, I was like, which one will I use? Well, guess what? I don't have enough in either one of them. So Do they go together. Is there a way to use them? I don't think so. So I have some thoughts on that. Okay. What are your thoughts? So if you're short of fabric and you're not able to use it to make the jacket that you want, how much fabric do you have of each one? I have three yards. Okay. And they're short, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to start by suggesting that you consider that you consider a baby doll dress. So a long tunic that's a little bit gathered for the check one, the one that's the big squares. Now I could because, make a skirt with that, but I cannot make a dress. That is going to be too hot. Okay. I mean, I'm good with that too, but if you're going to do a skirt, put some ruffle in it or yeah. pleat it or pleat it like clueless. Yeah. Yeah. Those that are your choices. Would be good. Yeah. Well, when I say a dress, I do want to, I want to roll right back again and say, I am not suggesting that you make a dress. Well, make the York pinafore. Oh, like a pinafore. That's a good idea to make a pinafore. To make the York pinafore because you can put a cotton knit turtleneck if it's warm weather or you can slap on um, a tube top if it's not (laughs) and you'll be good either way. Um, But I think a York pinafore, especially if you put in, well, first off, get a beret, but if you put in some (laughs) detailing, like on the front pockets, instead of doing the kangaroo pocket, they've got those big circle pockets or semi-circle oval pockets, but consider, you know, those big ass flashy gold buttons that were used Uh on blazers and things. Consider that there. Consider on the York where it, where it comes over the shoulders, extending the back straps so that they actually you make it look like they have the buttons there and you've moved right into a beautiful late eighties style. And so if you still want it for that, I think you could 85 it, but if you don't, you can do an inspired by, by literally just using the York pinafore as it's written. And of course, because you've got checks, you've got that opportunity for bias on the pockets, which is so clever and it's cute and inspired by, and you can accessorize it to make it punk, to make it preppy. Yeah. Right. And you can Those still are, call that's in. That's a good idea. See, this is uh hashtag Jenny fix it for me again. There you go. Yep. So that, that'd be my recommendation on the, on the one that's just a plaid plaid. Honestly, go for a good pleated skirt, make yourself something that fits in with the clueless motif that you can wear over leggings. Yeah. That way you can take it into winter leggings or tights. Yep. Um, I think that'd be really cute. Yeah, I think so. And its narrowness won't hurt it because you should be able to piece that pretty well. And if you're worried about not matching it precisely, mm-hmm. piping or bias. Ah, yeah, that's right. That's Make right. it look on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so I Thank love it. You, Jenny. Mine that I've purchased is oh, a beautiful a- black and blue buffalo check. <laughs> and I haven't washed it yet. I think it's a Kaufman if I remember right. Um, and I haven't washed it yet, but it's obviously it's woven, not printed, um, which I like. And I have been worried about it shrink because it's lightweight, but I still think, and I don't use flannel because garbage fabric. And so I don't, I I don't know predictably what it'll do with a lot of things that I work with. I have an idea about what I'm losing. You may lose 15 or 20%. 
Right. And that's my fear. Now I bought more yards than I should have needed, but we'll find out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I bought plenty, but the other thing is with the dress I'm making, I'm going to make the bell woven dress, um, out of this. And with the dress I'm making, I start by knowing that whatever the heck they recommend, they are crazy pants because they're well, for example, here, they're telling me they want four yards. That skirt is going to reach the floor on me. Ah. And I am, I am not going to do that. So I am right off the bat. I'm probably half a yard shorter than what they're asking for, given the width of the skirt. And the fact that I have to cut, I have to cut it out of two skirt length pieces. So there's a good eight inches on each one of those that I can remove and I can make it nine and I get my half yard. And so I think I'm okay. Cause I also got the end of bolt on this one, which means I've got, I ordered 4.2 five, four and a quarter. And I got like four and a half. So you'll be I fine. Be okay. Is it how, how wide is it? Um, it's 58. Oh, like that. that's not, that's probably not a Kaufman, um, flannel. Cause I think they're, okay. they're usually 44. Yeah. I'm a 58 inch. So it's somebody else. It was a brand that much. Yeah. I remember it wasn't just like garbage flannel. It said somebody's name. I mean, it might be um, that, like mine, my Buffalo check from from Robert Kaufman, it was 44. Now it's 40. And, um, and yeah, then, that's 10% on the, the yeah. sideways up and down. I would think you might lose more. Yeah. So we'll see. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I mean, this is one I'm looking forward to making. Um, but I'm a little more nervous because I, I do think there's some differences in how it's going to behave, um, compared to other things. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what are you going to do about like, so this is another thing I was thinking of. So flannel, you normally wear like wintertime. So you would maybe wear tights with it. Right. But maybe you won't, but I would probably wear tights with it, but flannel is going to stick to those tights. Yeah. So I, I don't get terribly cold or terribly hot. I, I tend to run like, temperature compared to the room. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think it's partly because for whatever reason, all my temperature gauging is done through whether my feet are cold or my head is cold. Mm -hmm. And if those two things are fine, I can wear anything else I want. I can sit in my 75 degree office with a sweater on Mm. and be okay. As long as my feet are not over warm. Mm. Right. But I can also sit in my office when it's 55 degrees and be okay. As long as my feet are warm. So for me, I don't normally end up resorting to tights because I don't need any of that part of my leg covered. The only thing that seems to impact whether I know that I'm hot or cold is whether my feet are hot or cold. Mm. So, so it's less of a problem for me, but I agree with you. You're going to have a static discharge issue Mm -hmm. if you, if you choose to wear things under it. Now with this particular dress, the way that it's designed, um, it's got that giant button button up front. Yeah. And the buttons carry on down to what I'm going to argue they say is knee, but that's going to be mid-calf if you're making it to, you know, the length they choose. But you could take the buttons further down if you want to be warm. And flannel generally traps heat. That's true. In my experience. So I think you'd be fine. But yeah, if I wore them with a pair of boots, maybe. Without boots would tights. be great. And, mm-hmm. and socks if you needed socks, knee-high yeah. socks. Because mm-hmm. especially with the boots over them wouldn't be an issue. But this is... So pretty. 
It is very pretty. She's I'm got very a, happy. It's bright blue. Yeah, like royal blue Buffalo. and black. That's really nice. Yeah. It's it's a really nice one. I'm super excited about this one. And <laughs> by the time this airs, it will not be a spoiler. Um, Lori, somebody or other's mom, is making the same dress just with a different fabric. Cool. Because we're both completely inspired by the same idea. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Anyway, we've spent a lot of time on that. (laughs) Yes. Well, what are we here to discuss today? So if you've been following our Instagram, you already know what our theme is this month. Our hashtag is PF Scary. Hey, we did that together. (laughs) That's amazing because we can't manage to say see you next Tuesday together. Um, Our our theme is going to be PF Scary and... There are so many different ways you can interpret that. And we're really excited about it. Um, Beverly, I think, I think this one was yours. You came up with the idea of calling it PF Scary and some of the more interesting ways to interpret it. So why don't you tell us about some of the the not being a vampire ways? <laughs> so at first, um, I of course wanted to do scary because it's the month of Halloween and um and I love that holiday. And so we thought of different ways that you could interpret this theme. And the way that I'm going to interpret it and the way I think a lot of people might do it is you can do something that's scary to you, a garment that you would um, not normally, ma- you have never made before and you find scary. Or you could do a new technique or um, and use a new machine or... Um, but you could also make scary costumes. Absolutely. And I, I love that about it. You can use a fabric that's made you nervous before you could decide that shearing with elastic in your bobbin is something that's a little bit outside of your comfort zone and take that on. Um, you You could could, use scary uh, fabric. You could use fabric that has scary things on it. Absolutely. Spider fabric. Um, You could uh, opt to go with a a silk that you've always been afraid to cut into or that fabric you got on vacation 10 years ago and still haven't used because what if it's not perfect? And so there's definitely a lot of really amazing options. Um, I love what Beverly's got planned. Why don't you tell us about that? So I am very excited because I am going to make a coat. Um, I'm going to make like a tailored coat and specifically I am making the legging coat from itch to stitch. It is about a knee length, uh, coat with princess seams in it, uh, has a nice little waistband on it. I'm super excited, but I do need some help from you, Jenny. I need some advice. Awesome. Tell me more. By the way, I love the design of this coat. It reminds me the most of a coat that my skipper doll had when I was growing up. (laughs) That's, that's great. Um, I just, I think it is such a nice style and I like a knee length coat. Um, so yeah. So a couple of things, first of all, 
I am looking for fabrics. Now I know that I want to make a blue coat. I have been looking now I'm going to probably get some swatches. Um, I know that I, so I looked at some from mood fabrics. There's one that I think is really great. It's wool cashmere blend that I think would be lovely, but these are about $40 a yard. So this is going to be pretty expensive. Um, I think I found some, um, fabric that is a heavyweight wool blend, probably wool and acrylic or something from Minerva. And it's just like three ninety nine, three 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 pound ninety nine a meter. So that would make a good twelve fabric for me. Although that seems like a lot of work to make a full twelve of it, but forty dollar fabric. So, um, what would you suggest with this? Is it worth it to make a twelve of something that's not? wool fabric like if i just were to use other fabric for so so there are some features that wool fabric has that would be beneficial to trying it in wool presumably my experience with making lined coats has been that the fit of the lining is actually the more important feature i see and so on the the i've only made three but on the ones that I've made, if all other things being equal, if I only twalled the lining, I would have learned what I needed to know about the sizing of the coat. So, okay. so it doesn't mean that you don't need to do the exterior and attach it, but it does to me mean you could probably go with a canvas or even a felt if you could find one that sell like a weight that was similar to what mm-hmm. you were buying and go from there the because it's meant to be worn over other clothing mm-hmm. having that lining be right is is so critical and the coat that goes with the lining assuming the pattern's worth a darn mm-hmm. is already sized to right. work with the lining so if you can yes. get the lining to work now it depends on how it's lined as to whether or not you have to build the whole rest of the coat around it right mm-hmm. um the one i did by a designer who doesn't design for me um, the, a significant length or width of fabric from the outer coat was folded back and then attached to the lining. So if I was twalling it, I still would have had to make an outer coat to go with it to really understand how it was coming together. But on other versions I've done, the, the overlap is only two, three, four inches. It wouldn't have been as big a deal because I, I would have been able to tell if it was going to fit around me. And the more critical points are really your arm size, shoulder, sleeve. Right. And range of motion, right? Yeah. So I, I think you'd be okay, okay if you decided to go with a non-wool, um, non-coat-based sort of a thing and use right. just a similar weight of fabric, but got that lining really, really well, well done. So that brings up another question, which is, Um, what kind of lining should I use? So I think the mistake I've made in the past is preferring a cotton lining because I like how that feels against my skin Mm -hmm. and finding that it caught too much on the Mm -hmm. cotton that I prefer to wear under it. Right. So I like a, um, a slick, smooth silk. If you're feeling silky, 
And if you aren't feeling silky, I, I think I'd go artificial. Okay. I would also note that the sleeve lining is the one that you need to slide really yes. well. Whether right. it slides on your back or not is yeah. pretty irrelevant. It matters. I mean, there's if you put, I don't know, Velcro lining on your back, you're going to be really unhappy, right? <laughs> so you do want something better than that. But the sleeve is the critical one. So you could probably get away with like a really nice smooth cotton for your back and front lining, as long as you had something silkier in your sleeves. So like maybe even like, um, like cotton lawn could maybe be s- smooth enough or not. It, I, I don't know because I haven't used it. Okay. I think it could be, I think the finish on it gives it an improved chance and the drape of it gives it yeah. an improved chance. So it might be worth trying, but I, I think honestly, I would try it. Now, what about they have, um, what is that people talk about? Like Bember Grayon or something? Oh, I got nothing for that. I've never okay. bought it, seen it, used it, touched it. Okay. Not at all. Um, I know that Cashmerat's uh, forums and probably on the blog, there's because of the jacket they made that was lined, okay. there's probably some good discussion points on lining okay. for a jacket. Overall, I don't wear jackets. Yeah. And so when I've made them, they've been more of a curiosity piece where I'm like, ooh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe yeah. this will be the jacket I'll wear. And not one of them ever has been. Um, so that's a good idea. Now, this may be a case where I do what we tell our listeners to do, which is I may only be able to post a work in progress for PS Gary yeah. because I want to make this is a scary project for me. It's going to take a lot of careful work. It's going to be some slow sewing for me, um, which I'm kind of looking forward to. And um, it might not get done, especially when you consider getting swatches of fabrics and stuff. It might not get done before the, the, the end of the month, but that's okay. It's absolutely okay because the purpose isn't to make sure you can do a speed run to get your your project counted. The purpose is to give you a thing you can sew together on or work together on, especially in the case of this month with others in the community, even if your final product isn't available at the end of the month or even ever, honestly, if you get partway through this and are like, you know what? Turns out I don't want this this much, which I'm sure won't happen. But if it did, whatever. Yeah. You learned what you needed to learn and you tried the scary thing anyway. So exactly. So what, what is, um, something scary for you? Okay. So I'm sure I could come up with a thousand different projects I could sew that would be scary for me. There's lots of things I have on my shelf that I haven't started on yet because they intimidate me a little bit or they're too expensive for me to want to cut into or whatever. But the things that I'm really struggling with that I have been afraid to do, I've mentioned on this podcast, at least one of them many, many, many times. I think it may be time to open my cover stitch machine. (laughs) And, and I don't know, take it out of the box and possibly hear me out try learning to thread it, which could be followed by attempting to use it to hem something or whatever. I'll be honest, 
at this point, I'm not sure what you even use the machine for. (laughs) So I'm very excited about all of that. Um, But as I stop to think about it, I also have one of the coveted simplicity bias tape makers, which is a a tool smaller than a shoebox where you cut out your bias tape and there's various um, tips you can put on the the machine Mm -hmm. and you feed it through and it folds and irons it at the same time into a single fold or double fold bias tape, depending on your tip. And I have had this for yonks. It is something that has just been a part of my world. And I have not taken it out of the box. Wow. And they quit making these a long time ago. And that's what I'm afraid could happen to my cover stitch machine. (laughs) That it could be something where in 20 years, my grandkids are like, what is this thing that grandma left behind or whatever. And it's just insane. So I am planning, um, it's not insane. It's ridiculous. I am planning to, uh, to unpack some equipment. In addition, the first scary thing is not machine related. I am going to post a video tour of my sewing room. Oh, it is so bad. Is it? It is so bad. It is stacks and stacks of unorganized chaos falling over into other stacks of unorganized chaos. There is there is no joy to be seen from where I sit at my sewing oh. machine. Everything looks like anxiety-inducing piles. Oh no. And I deserve better. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to post a video of that, I hope, at the start of the month. And then I'm going to make it better. I am determined to find a way to make the room one. Like all of the Instagram images, like all of the sewing organizational images you see, like, like the before and after on one of those little games, Instagram's always trying to sell you of house remodeling. That's yeah. what I want to do because it is this room. When I set this room up, not as a sewing room, but as a sort of a relaxing space that had furniture to sit on and stuff. It was, it was a room I came into and really, I loved being in it. And I come into it now just to sew because all the other features of it that I had loved before are obscured by piles and piles of stuff. And it's good stuff. Well, some of it is. There's a ton of stuff that'll be donated. Um, but it's it's too much. Yeah. And I don't even know how to start. So as to live in my area, reach out. <laughs> oh, I wish I did. <laughs> because I need help. And there's definitely free stuff in it for you. So, um, it's, it's just really rough in here. Um, so yeah, let's, that's, let's discuss this. Okay. So first of all, both Jenny and I are very lucky to have dedicated sewing rooms. That's something that a lot of people don't have. A lot of people have to pull it all out and put it on their kitchen table and all that. So, um, we're both lucky to have that. So, um, in your sewing space, how much furniture do you have? I currently have a three and a half foot by eight foot table. Okay. 
a three foot by three foot butcher block with two shelves below it. It's a countertop height butcher block table. Okay. An upright player piano. (laughs) A shelving unit that holds the upright player piano's rolls for the music. Okay. An old-fashioned treadle sewing machine table that has a machine in it that's not treadle, it's electric, but it's built into the, the treadle base, and then has my serger on top of it. Okay. A four foot by six and a half foot tall rolling bookcase, four different cubby unit systems, the Calax from Ikea, yeah. a rolling Raskbog cart from Ikea, a rolling metal file cabinet, two stools, a sewing chair, a piano bench, and a um, an upholstered armless chair. Okay. In addition, I have a very narrow path that leads from my sewing machine to the bathroom or the exit. <laughs> okay. So you do have enough furniture for your stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Although, here's the worst part. When I rearrange, I would like to buy a table to put more sewing machines on. Oh my goodness. Oh my However, goodness. you're gonna have to get rid of some rid of some furniture. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The the rolling um the rolling metal rack I plan to put out on the carport to hold in waterproof sealed containers my dyeing supplies. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, I have a kitchen table. That like a dining room table that's an old one that I use for a cutting table and my primary sewing space. I have a desk, an IKEA desk that has my um, serger and cover stitch, which happens to be right behind me now. It used to be across the room in my old house. And then I have, let's see, one, two, three Calax things, and then a bookshelf an old wooden um, file cabinet and a, a, like an antique dresser. So I have quite a bit of furniture in my room too. Yeah. I have to put these videos up and show how we, we organize our stuff, but mine will not show anything about organizing. It will just show the chaos. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, so it's the one thing is, is even as chaotic as it is, this has been functional for you. Yes. It's been functional. It's just not, it's just not joyful. Semi-functional. Yeah. Well, I think if you look at the production that you make, we would yeah. have to say it's functional. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how much more I could do if I could find the pattern and the fabric I wanted when I wanted it. So how do you organize your, I mean, I know you don't organize, but how do you store (laughs) your patterns? Like they have to have some place that they are. Part of the problem is that rolling file cart that I have, I started off by putting my patterns into manila folders that were sealed on the ends. So they couldn't slide out of the sides. I put them in there and I had them on the filing rack. Um, and then I started stacking things on the filing rack because I had places that I needed things to go. And so then that was no longer available for pattern storage. It's full. It's got a bunch of patterns in it that I haven't made in a year and a half because I'd have to take all the stuff off of it. So then I started taking them and putting them in um, large plastic 
envelopes and storing them in baskets, which is great, except that it's really hard to see that none of it's labeled or so I have to flip through 50 of them to find the dress I want. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I know I could take adorable manila envelopes and make just the cutest thing to go in other baskets, which I've got partially started and stored on my player piano keyboard. Um, So, so that's, you know, and then there's over on the stack of shipping supplies for my home businesses are stacks of folded patterns that are um, clipped together. Uh, so I so one pattern and its instructions are clipped uh, so that I can flip through those instead. It sounds like you have yeah. many different solutions. Yeah, none of them have stuck. I see. I see. Yeah. So one of my first tasks is to go through every pattern I have and get rid of the ones I'm never going to make again. Because yeah, when I came back to sewing, I bought a ton of patterns that didn't fit me. Mm-hmm. because I didn't understand I had more value than that. And I can get rid of a lot of those. You know, actually, most of the patterns that I have are printed out from some kind of PDF, either PDF mm-hmm. plotting me or, me print, or me printing it out. So I was thinking, I'm going to go through and anything that I don't think I'm going to make, just get rid of it. I've got it on my yep. computer. I can print it That's again right. if I change my mind. So um, I, currently, I'm using two... So in that Calyx thing, you know, it fits, I don't know, what is it, about 12 inches by 12 inches yeah. or something. Anyways, one of those boxes that fits in there. Yeah. I've got two of those full and I don't mind having two of them, but I do not. You're laughing at me. <laughs> no, I, I am because I think I've got six of them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not counting the piles I just mentioned. <laughs> so I'm laughing because I'm like, gosh, I hope I only have two when I'm done. Oh my gosh. Well, I think that there's quite a few in there, so you might be able to. So what if you, I love it. What, what is the one thing that is sort of the worst thing that you could, if like, if you had a magic wand, you would fix? Um, I, I mean, truthfully, if I had a magic wand, I would make it so that all the shit that's piled around the room was in the calyxes. Okay. Okay. And that's going to just really, it literally just involves, this is why if you're a sewer who lives near me, you definitely want to reach out. This is going to involve taking off of all the surfaces, just pulling things off and going, keep, keep, donate, 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 keep, donate, 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 keep, and sorting it out. And that's not as fun as sewing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's not, but it's very satisfying when it's done. When it's done, I think it's going to be satisfying, but that's also what makes putting up a video of my chaos scary. Yeah. Because I either fix it or I don't. And if I don't, I think, I think I'm going to be embarrassed by that. And so I really, there'll be a lot of pressure, internal pressure to fix it so I can show it off. What if you just make a video and you don't put it up and then you do your cleanup and then you put it up. I don't think that you should be embarrassed by your space at all. Like if you end up deciding halfway through that you only want to do some things, you know, and you decide you don't want to show that. Maybe I'll think about it. Yeah. I got to think how my psychology works because I also, I really love attaboys, which I didn't yeah. know about 
myself, but I so love them. Mm -hmm. And if I put up a really crappy room and then like every week I commit to taking a picture of a newly organized portion of it, Ah. I have to assume that our listeners and all my many followers who are very, very kind and nice would say great job instead of, wow, it was a shithole before (laughs) they would just say great job. And I would be like, oh, look at how cool I am. And then be powered <laughs> there you on go. to the next one. So I'm I'm torn. Okay. Well, don't feel pressure to, you know, <laughs> make yourself that, you know, and you don't have to do it all in one month either, you know. I know. I don't think I will. Honestly, I think if I'm lucky, I'll get through my, my real goal for October would be, um, my rolling shelf unit, which is right now what holds my cover stitch machine, my ornament painting supplies, all of my fabric and at a guess, 50 rolled up patterns. I haven't cut out yet. Mm. Um, getting everything of that off of that and being able to remove that from the room mm-hmm. is my goal because just getting that done opens up the entire center of the room okay. and means I could, I could set up the cover stitch machine and the serger next to each other on a folding table mm-hmm. um, in front of one of the Calex walls that I have. I so, see. so yeah, I, um, my one thing that I would like to change now sounds really dumb. <laughs> I'm sure it isn't. Um, well, it kind of is because (laughs) we have different problems. Our problems are not the same. If you were in my room after the first week, you'd be like, no, this is garbage. I'm fixing it. (laughs) And and I've spent a year going, this is awful instead of doing anything. (laughs) You know what my problem is? I'm going to show Jenny here. Okay. You see, do you see the problem? You're. I don't know. Your ironing board isn't set up. Yeah. My ironing board doesn't have like a good spot. Like, (laughs) okay, you're right. Your problem's super dumb, (laughs) but no, it's not. I mean, you, you use it, right? I use it every single time. And so I have to reset it up. And, and (laughs) your problem is that you use an ironing board. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a, I just don't have a good spot. Like, I don't know where it should go. And so here's a genuine question. Mm -hmm. Where are you sitting right now? I am sitting at my sewing table. Long end or short end? Long. Like Okay. So there's a short end to the right or left of you. Yes. Why isn't it just set up going um, as a T across the short end? Because then I can't get out. How narrow is your room? Well, I have. Hmm. So we're going to have to do these videos. Um, we are because what, what occurs to me, if you use your ironing board all the time, you need to figure out a way, whatever that is, mm-hmm. of making that ironing board being set right next to you. So that if you had to do a spot of spot press on a neckband, mm-hmm. you can do it by turning your chair and moving the iron across the board. Yeah. See, that's what I should do. Because that's when I used to use an iron back in my, my fresh bloom of youth, I made sure the ironing board was set up exactly where I sewed. Because if it wasn't, if I had to get up and walk across the room, I wasn't going to keep ironing. And so I had to set it up exactly where I was. Mm -hmm. And I think it is worth figuring out how to set your furniture up to do a, 
to make the minimum amount of motion necessary to do all the things associated with your sewing. And so for my setup right now, I can turn to the right from the camera and Mm -hmm. I'm at my sewing machine. And if I turn to the left, I'm at my serger. And people who've watched my sewing videos know that because I turn, jerk the camera over and you can watch me using the serger. But I have it set up exactly like that because if my serger is on the other side of the room, I will never use my serger. Well, in my old house, it had to be across the room and I did use it. Um, I don't mind I know, getting but up and, come on. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like having the serger and cover stitch right behind me now. I do like right. that because it, it does make it easier when you just need to do a seam or something to not yeah. have to really get up and do that. But I think it would be worth figuring out how to do it. And if you can't do it with the full-sized ironing table, if you have to put that somewhere else, I think you should still consider whether it is worth having a pressing board closer at hand with a smaller iron so that when you set up to start sewing, you have something for the small ironing so that you don't have to get up and iron a collar at the main ironing station, but instead can take care of the collar right where you are. Those are thoughts I will consider. (laughs) No pressure. Um, So one of the nice things for me is if I can... and. God, I can't believe I'm saying this. If I can get the sewing table set up where I want it to be to have my cover stitch and things on it or put my other machines there, um, my ironing board is to the right of that. Oh. And right now my ironing board is a storage space. It's just another vertical surface because what I've done is my ironing board sits on top of my Calaxes. I have one of the four by two units, but I have it four across too high. That's how I have one of mine. And my ironing board is on top of it. You don't have a full-size ironing board. I do have a full-size ironing board. You want to hear the secret about that? Yeah. The legs, okay. On one end, they stick out and I have them pressed up against the corner wall. And I set my iron on that because my iron's cordless and has a base and it sits on it perfectly and evenly. So it's not using up any space on my ironing board. On the other hand, the legs stick out and there's more room on that wall. Uh And I hang things on them that I need for other, for other things. So my starch is hanging in a bag on there. And now I never use my iron. So that's all useless to me, but that's how it was set up so that I could use it. It's just, if you looked at my room and what I have to do to get over there and iron, you'd understand why I wouldn't even want to consider it if I did think it was necessary. So what I've been doing, I'm just saying, oh my God, I should like live all of this. We'll just do a 24 hour stream of me trying to fix my room. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm assuming no one's listening. (laughs) People have to have tuned out by now. This is so boring. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, my recommendation is that you put your iron close at hand because you deserve better. What I have been doing lately is every single time I go to sew, I set up the ironing board and set up the iron and then like you know, do my thing and then put it all away at the end of the day. And I don't know if that's going to be able to be fixed or not, but we will see. Your iron is definitely an issue and you do need to figure it out. Yes. So, oh, 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 but you don't need a small ironing station for collars. You need a flat iron. I have three of them. Oh, (laughs) and also no hair. (laughs) Okay. Well, If there are any listeners still left, 
Um, we've wasted enough of their time. We have. Do something scary. And your scary thing could be coming and organizing Jenny's uh, sewing room. That would be really scary. It would. That's my plug. She'd probably give you extra entries into PF Scary. I mean, I'm certain for every picture you'd get one. In addition, there's probably free prizes to be had. That's right. Um, But seriously, coming up with something scary that's scary for you is is a really interesting challenge. It's good to push yourself. And how scary it is really depends on how far you want to push. It's a really open challenge, as you know. As always. Your scary thing could be entering the challenge, That's which right. literally means you could take a picture of anything at all and say, this was, this was a little scary for me to put out there, but I am. Yeah. We have never yet rejected an entry. It is a hundred percent true that we have not done that. <laughs> We're very generous people. Yes. Well, people have got, contributed really good stuff too. So it's true. Well, thank you so much for talking me through the absolutely terrifying prospect of organizing my sewing room. I, I will probably do a video, but I will try not to make it too self-deprecating Yeah, because don't do that's that. the risk. I think that I'll just be like, you know what? This is what I've got going on. And I do a good job in the chaos that I'm in, but that's I just, true. you do better. a good job in the chaos that you're in and you have prioritized sewing over straightening up. I have. But I deserve better. I yeah. deserve a space that doesn't just feed my creative side, but gives me a relaxing environment as I come in to do it. Yep. And you deserve to iron more. <laughs> I think that's an insult, actually. <laughs> I think it is. That's Coming the problem. You, that's an insult. <laughs> How do I make that sound complimentary? <laughs> you deserve to have the tools you want at places where they're most useful to you. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you all for listening, whoever's left. And we will see, see you, you next Tuesday. Tuesday. The Punk Frockers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frockers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art. 